Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Lexi. And we are looking through some of these passages in Jeremiah. We start out in Jeremiah 49. Um, There's a little bit of a change of leadership when it comes to kings. And so we switch off a little bit and look at some different pieces of Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that this Bible cuts things up, just in case you're curious, um, it tries to put the messages of Jeremiah in line with who is in charge at that time. So in these in this reading, we have Jehoiakim uh, is no longer king, and so we go from the messages that were proclaimed in Jehoiakim's time uh, into the messages that were proclaimed during Jehoiachin's time. I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. Um, it feels like I'm probably not. So <laughs> kind of a fun name, though. So. Yeah, Jehoiachin <laughs> sounds great. Um, yeah, then we move from that into a couple of prophetic things. There's what stuck out to me is the righteous branch that's talked about. Um, Jeremiah kind of strikes this comparison to shepherds that are leading his people right. Well, leading God's people right now um, and comparing it to this good shepherd that's going to come. Doesn't actually say the good shepherd, but it's an easy parallel to draw Um, because a time is coming where he's going to raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He'll be a King capital K who rules with wisdom. He'll do what is just and right throughout the land. And his name will be the Lord is our righteousness, which is if you look in the little footnote at the bottom of your Bible, um, Yahweh Sidkenu. (laughs) (laughs) No idea if I'm saying that right, (laughs) but um, it's a huge a huge prophecy. Um, the Lord is our righteousness is righteousness is something that we have because of Jesus' death on the cross. Um, and yeah. And the other thing I noticed is the verse after that, or the same verse in that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And I just was like, uh, like you kind of reach these things where you, where you look at the disciples in Jesus' time and they're like, yes, he's going to overthrow Rome. Um, he doesn't. <laughs> You can't really fault them. You can't because it's in the Bible. It's like Judah's going to live in safety. Israel's going to live in safety. It was like the most literal understanding yeah, of what had been proclaimed. Exactly. So. so there's like this, but as we look back at it, there's this um, looking ahead to Jesus, but also looking ahead to the even bigger future where Judah and Israel will live in safety and peace. That's When does that happen? Beyond now. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of... Um, this chunk of scripture in Jeremiah 23, it talks about judgment on false prophets. Um, and I think that's a really applicable thing to talk about, um, just even in today's day and age and how many different voices there are, um, in and outside the church and people who misuse the name of God. Um, it's really scary and it's really hard to know, you know, who we can follow, who we can trust and how we can just have good discernment of, you know, who's speaking the truth and like take, using the right context of God's word too. Um, now that we have it written down. Um, but yeah, at the end of, uh, this chunk of scripture in verse 28 and 29, it says, um, well, actually verse 29 says, does not my word burn like fire says the Lord. It is not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces. Um, talking about the word of God and there's other places in the Bible that talks about 
God's word and, you know, it talks about the gospel being offensive. It talks about, um, the word of God being sharper than a two edged sword and, you know, not always something that's easy to hear. And these false prophets are saying stuff that, you know, people want to hear people, things that we want to hear, things that will give us comfort and peace. You know, we don't want to hear bad things. Um, but you know, these are like, it's, it says earlier on, um, actually, in in verse 11 it says even the priests and prophets are ungodly wicked men so the like the people in leadership are saying things that are not in line with the truth and that's terrifying and um you know like there's other places in the bible that talks about like 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 leaders teachers will be held to a higher standard and it's just like they're misleading people um and it's a very serious issue and yeah, so Ryan, tell us how <laughs> how do we know that like Jeremiah is the right voice and yeah. <laughs> that is that is probably something that I personally have been thinking about a lot as we read through Jeremiah because if you look at Jeremiah, um he is a spiritual leader of the people. We are obviously in a different time. Like we're not in the spoiler alert, we're not in the time of Jeremiah. I don't know how many of you were surprised by that. Um if Jeremiah were to measure his success as a pastor, uh, based on the way that we tend to measure success as pastors, he'd be a horrible failure. Like this dude is out. He, nobody is following him. He's burying his underwear in the <laughs> in the river. Um, he's like he's out proclaiming terrible things. He's not allowed to mourn with people who mourn. He's not allowed to pursue any kind of relationships. Um, he's not building a very strong, large congregation. And yet, he's the one who is righteous and should be followed. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, you have these prophets who are false prophets, this this righteous, I mean, basically starting in Jeremiah 23, um, all the way through, it's probably like almost the entirety, almost the entirety of chapter 23, is very harsh words to these prophets who have a very large following. They're in the temple courts. The temple courts are full all the time. There's not an empty seat in the house. People are probably committing to be followers of God every day, and yet it's all lies. It's all fake. We're not like they're not raising up true followers of the real God. They're just proclaiming messages that is like, yeah, everything seems fine. Like if you are following the Lord. The Lord is going to bless what you are going to do because of the religious sacrifice. Because of these like check boxes, yeah, that they want well, to and, do and no obedience, and also because they're just straight up lying. Right. Um, and they're just not able to handle the spiritual authority that is required of them. And God gets pretty upset about that. So you were talking about uh, James 3 is where it talks about teachers being held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. um, James 3 says, not many of you should seek to be teachers because we know that teachers receive something that basically equates to like higher judgment. Um, it's a little bit weird. I don't know that there is higher levels of spiritual judgment, but it's basically like if you're stepping forward to say like, I'll be a spiritual leader, you better also carry the weight of what that means. Mm -hmm. um, and you should not be proclaiming the word of God in like a blase fashion. That's just like, well, I'm not sure if this is true, but it seems true. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess for me, like I am a pastor. It's, it's interesting to be an American pastor. I know not everybody that listens to this is in the U.S., um, but we are very tempted to measure pastoral success by how many seats are full. Yeah. Um, and the best way to fill seats is to say things that aren't true because people don't like to hear what they don't want to hear. 
So like the the message that God had for the people in Jeremiah's time was, hey, it's time to mourn. It's time to be sad. We are about to be carried off. Um, and and like it's not a popular message. Probably would not get a lot of shares on Instagram. <laughs> you should probably, try it. Probably there's not many uh, hashtag <laughs> hashtag blessed carried off into a foreign land by an army in the north. Praise the Lord. Great time of devotions today. Um, but it, it should get our attention because God cares very much about spiritual leadership uh, and spiritual direction. One of the things that God says uh, later on in chapter 23 is, have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what he's really saying? Has even one of them cared to listen? Look, the Lord's anger bursts out like a storm and a whirlwind swirls, da- swirls down on the heads of the wicked. So not only are these false prophets, God also looks at them and says, like, I don't even know who you are. Like, you have not even stood before me. You have not sought after me. Um, and it's, an, it's another dangerous place because one of the things, one of the things that I remember from seminary is we would have professors that would say, like, hey, don't become a pastor that's caught up in the grind. You got to preach a sermon every week. Like, don't just do the job. Make sure you're seeking God. And so here you have a very clear am- example of prophets who are just doing the job. They're like, yep, we'll do the stuff in the temple. We'll come up with a cool sermon. People are going to love what we have to say. <laughs> but it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the weight of spiritual leadership, I think, is so heavy. Um, but also, um, Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we, when we seek a real relationship with Jesus, we are empowered for proper spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. It's just very important to pay attention to actually spending time with God and right. ensuring that the message that we give is the message that he has mm-hmm. and not the message that we want. I would wrap this up by encouraging people to pray for their pastors. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like that's, it's an important group of people to pray for that. I think we sometimes overlook because we're like, Oh, they don't probably need it. Right. (laughs) Right. But aside from the way of carrying and shepherding a congregation, they also have like what you said, they have this elevated um, responsibility of preparing, preaching and communicating God's word in a way that's true um, and delivering hard messages mm-hmm. and they need prayer and support. Um, just thinking of like just recently, all of these different pastors, yeah. pastors that have fallen or things have come out or whatever. Um, and I wonder if they're prepared for the weight of spiritual leadership. I think it's, it's very easy to lose sight of what spiritual leadership is, particularly when you put the, the goal in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. So Jeremiah with his goal in the right spot, he had no followers at all. Yeah. <laughs> like there were not people signing up to mm-hmm. sing praise songs with Jeremiah. Um, and he was the one that the people should have followed. Mm-hmm. So I think as a, as a pastor, it's something to pay attention to because we want to be people who are seeking God's heart, not people who are seeking popularity right. in our, in our hearers ears. Mm-hmm. Um, and a very tempting thing to do is to stray away from hard things I think that we are creating a culture that has complete absence of hard things. Mm-hmm. Don't tell people difficult things to do with their lives. They won't like to hear that. It's like, well, that's not, that's, that's not a ministry method. Yeah. <laughs> well, it <shouldn't> be. <laughs> so yeah, I think I, I back that up. Like it's an, it's a great time to pray for pastors. Um, it's a great time for all of us. We're all We believe in a priesthood of all believers, mm-hmm. which means that we believe that all of us represent who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that all of us are seeking mm-hmm the presence of God and his voice, his real voice. Mm. Um, So then we're not misled by all the other voices.
Jeremiah 49, starting in verse 1. This message was given concerning the Ammonites. This is what the Lord says. Are there no descendants of Israel to inherit the land of Gad? Why are you who worship Molech living in its towns? In the days to come, says the Lord, I will sound the battle cry against your city of Rabbah. It will become a desolate heap of ruins, and the neighboring towns will be burned. Then Israel will take back the land you took from her, says the Lord. Cry out, O Heshbon, for the town of Ai is destroyed. Weep, O people of Rabbah. Put on your clothes of mourning. Weep and wail, hiding in the hedges. For your god Molech, with his priests and officials, will be hauled off to distant lands. You are proud of your fertile valleys, but they will soon be ruined. You trusted in your wealth, you rebellious daughter, and thought no one could ever harm you. But look, I will bring terror upon you, says the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. Your neighbors will chase you from your land, and no one will help your exiles as they flee. But I will restore the fortunes of the Ammonites in days to come. I, the Lord, have spoken. This message was given concerning Edom. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Is there no wisdom in Taman? Is there no one left to give wise counsel? Turn and flee. Hide in deep caves, you people of Dedan. For when I bring disaster on Edom, I will punish you too. Those who harvest grapes always leave a few for the poor. If thieves came at night, they would not take anything. But I will strip bare the land of Edom, and there will be no place left to hide. Its children, its brothers, and its neighbors will all be destroyed, and Edom itself will be no more. But I will protect the orphans who remain among you. Your widows, too, can depend on me for help. And this is what the Lord says, If the innocent must suffer, how much more must you? You will not go unpunished. You must drink the cup of judgment. For I have sworn by my own name, says the Lord, that Basra will become an object of horror and a heap of ruins. It will be mocked and cursed. All of its towns and villages will be desolate forever. I have heard a message from the Lord that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, Form a coalition against Edom and prepare for battle. The Lord says to Edom, I will cut you down to size among the nations. You will be despised by all. You have been deceived by the fear you inspire in others and by your own pride. You live in a rock fortress and control the mountain heights. But even if you make your nest among the peaks with the eagles, I will bring you crashing down, says the Lord. Edom will be an object of horror. All who pass by will be appalled and will grasp at the, at, and will gasp at the destruction they see. It will be like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, says the Lord. No one will live there. No one will inhabit it. I will come like a lion from the thickets of the Jordan, leaping on the sheep in the pasture. I will chase Edom from its land, and I will appoint the leader of my choice. For who is like me, and who can challenge me? What ruler can oppose my will? Listen to the Lord's plans against Edom and the people of Taman. Even the little children will be dragged off like sheep, and their homes will be destroyed. The earth will shake with the noise of Edom's fall, and its cry of despair will be heard all the way to the Red Sea. Look, the enemy swoops down like an eagle, spreading his wings over Basra. Even the mightiest warriors will be in anguish like a woman in labor. This message was given concerning Damascus. This is what the Lord says, The towns of Hamath and Arpad are struck with fear, for they have heard the news of their destruction. Their hearts are troubled like a wild sea in a raging storm. Damascus has become feeble, and all her people turn to flee. Fear, anguish, and pain have gripped her as they grip a woman in labor. That famous city, a city of joy, will be forsaken. Her young men will fall in the streets and die. 
Her soldiers will all be killed, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And I will set fire to the walls of Damascus that will burn up like the palaces of Ben-Hadad. This message was given concerning Kedar and the kingdoms of Hazor, which were attacked by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. This is what the Lord says. Advance against Kedar. Destroy the warriors from the east. Their flocks and tents will be captured and their household goods and camels will be taken away. Everywhere shouts of panic will be heard. We are terrorized at every turn. Run for your lives, says the Lord. Hide yourselves in deep caves, you people of Hazor, for King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has plotted against you and is preparing to destroy you. Go up and attack that complacent nation, says the Lord. Its people live alone in the desert without walls or gates. Their camels and other livestock will all be yours. I will scatter to the winds these people who live in remote places. I will bring calamity upon them from every direction, says the Lord. Hazor will be inhabited by jackals, and it will be desolate forever. No one will live there, and no one will inhabit it. 2 Kings 24, starting in verse 5. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Jehoiakim died, his son Jehoiachin became the next king. The king of Egypt did not venture out of his country after that, for the king of Babylon captured the entire area formerly claimed by Egypt, from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River. Second Chronicles 36, 6. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and captured it, and he bound Jehoiakim in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took some of the treasures from the temple of the Lord, and he placed them in his palace in Babylon. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign, including all the evil things he did and everything found against him, are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Then his son Jehoiachin became the next king. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother was Nehusta, the daughter of Ilanatha from Jerusalem. Jehoiachin did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. Jehoiachin did what, did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Jeremiah 22, starting in verse 24. As surely as I live, says the Lord, I will abandon you, Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Even if you were the signet ring on my right hand, I would pull you off. I will hand you over to those who seek to kill you, those you so desperately fear, to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and the mighty Babylonian army. I will expel you and your mother from this land, and you will die in a foreign country, not in your native land. You will never again return to the land you yearn for. Why is this man, Jehoiachin, like a discarded broken jar? Why are he and his children to be exiled in a foreign land? O earth, 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 listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Let the record show that this man, Jehoiachin, was childless. He is a failure, for none of his children will succeed him on the throne of David to rule over Judah. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. But I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold, and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will... 
Appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land, and this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. In that day, says the Lord, where people are taking an oath, they will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt. Instead, they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north and from all the countries to which he had exiled them. Then they will live in their own land. Jeremiah 23, starting in verse 9. My heart is broken because of the false prophets, and my bones tremble. I staggered like a drunkard, like someone overcome by wine, because of the holy words the Lord has spoken against them. For the land is full of adultery, and it lies under a curse. The land itself is in mourning, its wilderness pastures are dried up, for they all do evil and abuse what power they have. Even the priests and prophets are ungodly, wicked men. I have seen their despicable acts, right here in my own temple, says the Lord. Therefore, the paths they take will become slippery. They will be chased through the dark, and there they will fall. For I will bring disaster upon them at the time fixed for their punishment. I, the Lord, have spoken. I saw that the prophets of Samaria were terribly evil, for they prophesied in the name of Baal and led my people of Israel to sin. But now I see that the prophets of Jerusalem are even worse. They commit adultery and they love dishonesty. They encourage those who are doing evil so that no one turns away from their sins. Those prophets are as wicked as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah once were. Therefore, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says concerning the prophets. I will feed them with bitterness and give them poison to drink. For it is because of Jerusalem's prophets that wickedness has filled this land. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says to His people. Do not listen to these prophets when they prophesy to you, filling you with futile hopes. They are making up everything they say. They do not speak for the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise my word, Don't worry, the Lord says you will have peace. And to those who stubbornly follow their own desires, they say, No harm will come your way. Have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what he's really saying? Has even one of them cared enough to listen? Look, the Lord's anger bursts out like a storm, a whirlwind that swirls down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not diminish until it has finished all he has planned. In the days to come, you will understand all this very clearly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. If they had stood before me and listened to me, they would have spoken my words, and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? I have heard these prophets say, listen to the dream I had from God last night, and then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? If they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything they say. By telling these false dreams, they are trying to get my people to forget me, just as their ancestors did by worshiping the idols of Baal. Let these false prophets tell their dreams. But let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. There is a difference between straw and grain. Does not my word burn like a fire, says the Lord? Is it not a mighty hammer that smashes rocks into pieces? Therefore, says the Lord, I am against these prophets who steal messages from each other and claim they are from me. 
I am against these smooth-tongued prophets who say, this prophecy is from the Lord. I am against these false prophets. Their imaginary dreams are flagrant lies that lead my people into sin. I did not send or appoint them, and they have no message at all for my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.